Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 91, part 4, the 680s BC. Hi guys, Bernie here. I gotta tell you. I like the way Dan does the intro. I kind of miss it. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm going to hope Dan will do the intro for the 670s BC, because this is the fourth and final episode of the 680s BC. It's a fun episode. You're really going to enjoy it, I think. So hang on, get ready, listen all the way to the end, and enjoy. We could go back to the Near East and talk about the Israelites. Oh, the chosen people. Yes, the cho- the chosen people. It's actually so. Actually, I shouldn't say Israelites. It would be the it'd be Judah because Israel at this time is has already been um, assimilated into the Assyrian Empire. So, so but Judah um, is still its own independent kingdom with Jerusalem as the you know capital. Um, so, but King Hezekiah of Judah he dies in six eighty seven. So his son. Manasseh becomes the sole regent of um, Judah. So it's like in the 680s, Sennacherib dies and passes on his kingship, and then Hezekiah dies and passes on his. So it's the next generation's getting started here. Yeah, Near East, the new generation. Mm-hmm. And they, these two, those two actually get along a lot better. Um, Hezekiah and, uh, I'm sorry, I should say um, Manasseh and uh as are Hayden. They they don't they don't have as many problems. Manasseh, what's the what's the status of Judah then? Is it a, a vassal of the yeah. Assyrian Empire? It would be a vassal. There there's um, a story where there's different stories and there was one in the Bible where, you know, they, they the, the Bible doesn't like uh, Manasseh too much. 
Um, they uh, say that he brought back the old poly, you know, the polytheist oh. religion, you know, back to idol worship and this kind of thing and that. Um, but I imagine he did a lot of, well, he did have a, uh, a, a wife that was not Jewish. I shouldn't say Jewish. She wasn't um, an Israelite. Um, she wasn't a, a worshiper of Yahweh. And um, so he brought uh, the, um, the old stuff you know, back, the old worship of the other gods. Um, but also he decided not to fight with Assyria. So there's a time where in the Bible they say that, and even in Josephus he kind of has it wrong, where he says that he goes to Babylon. But from the Assyrian records and the Babylonian records, it seems like some point Ezar Hayden gets all his vassals together and brings them back and makes them pledge an oath so that they don't, you know, go to... Go, you know, rebel against him. So at some point, he seems to go to Assyria and pledge his oath. And it, to me, it seems that he they went voluntarily. They didn't take them in chains. I mean, they went as far as to say, you know, it would be a good idea if you come to Assyria. Um, and they all, any different kings from the area do, and he pledges his allegiance to um, Assyria, and they don't seem to have much trouble. Well, that's um, a nice change of pace. Yeah. I bet Esarhaddon also reduced uh, the tribute required. Yeah. He had seen what the high tribute levels of his father and his grandfather had caused. Uh, they say um, pigs, uh, how's it go? Pig, pigs eat, but hogs get slaughtered. So sometimes you don't try to take too much from people. So, um, but he became king at age 12, which is pretty, pretty young age, I would say, to become king of a place. But in those That's days. Manasseh, right? Yeah, Manasseh. He became yeah. king at 12. But uh, he he was co. This is how I see it. He became co-regent when he was about two. Some wow. some sources seem to say he was co-regent at twelve. But if you go to by the Bible, which I know isn't the most historical source, but they say that um, Hezekiah was ill and he had no sons, so he begged God to let him live longer, not because he wanted to live longer, but because he wanted to have a chance to have sons. So yes. he lives an extra fifteen years, and it says that. Hezekiah was co-regent for 10 years. So hmm. that would seem to me at two he became co-regent. Wow. Hezekiah only lived about those 15 extra years that you know, the Lord gave him. I wonder if he actually had any power at age two. Like, um, uh, Hezekiah leaves the city and then suddenly there's like a mountain of candy outside the castle. <laughs> So like we, your code region decided this. <laughs> yeah, right? More binkies and, and pacifiers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I read it, that he became a co-regent at two and became the sole king at um, 12. And um, most of the uh, good stuff, like I said, on Manasseh would be, you know, in the next podcast, the stuff that he does. But, you know, to say, to start with, they, they him and... Uh, the Assyrians, they seem to, you know, get along. But he starts his reign as getting rid of the old, I shouldn't say getting rid of, but he's, they say in the Bible anyway that he he persecutes actually the, the you know, the worship of just Yahweh and that, so they really don't like him in the beginning and he brings back the old um, worship of the other gods. So I mean, yeah. the, the thing is that it's this time it's hard it's to realize. I mean, re- people read the Bible now and from a different perspective. I should, I guess, you could say, because I think at this time the Hebrews and the people there, 
they believed maybe that they were only supposed to worship Yahweh, but they also believed that there were other gods. Does that make sense? Yes, and they also believed that if they uh, messed with Assyria again, they would probably be crushed like Israel was. Right. So this is, of course, the politically correct decision to make. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uh, become just another vassal state of the Assyrian Empire, so you don't get utterly conquered. Right. Right. You sort of live in the real world, and uh, you know you could leave the uh, spirit world to the to the other people, to the gods, but I should say. Actually, persecuting the the worshippers of Yahweh is uh, an extra step. Yeah. That's you know that's is, was that historically accurate? You know it's hard to say. That, I mean, that's in the what comes out in the Bible and the stories that you know he was he was um, he, that he did that. The other the other sources don't really bring up that much. But of course the Babylonians and the Assyrians weren't really interested in how he was handling his internal affairs. They were just mostly worried about what um, you know how it was working towards them. I also did though I I did find that. The trade flourished better under him, you know, and then they had a big olive oil trade, you know, because that's where olive oil was made. Um, A lot of olive oil, that whole Levant area where, you know, there's olives and thus make olive oil. And olive oil is a big big commodity trade item in in those days. Um, So they say the trade, you know, increased and uh, just because there was peace, really. It seems to me that Manasseh was making uh, the right decisions, except them perhaps for the persecutions, if he actually did them. Right, exactly. So, I mean, and then I guess uh, more of this, like I said, more of the stuff that happens with him will be in the next podcast. We don't want to spoilers on because I, we, we, I think we know why Ezra Hayden was trying to make peace with everybody along that way because he had a plan to, to go – but I think uh, Manasseh must have a re- had had a relationship with Sennacherib as well. Then, as he became, if he was twelve in six eighty seven and became king, he had to spend six years under Sennacherib's rule That's as true. well. That's and, true. And uh, imagine that you are twelve years old. You have you are now the only king of this kingdom that could be prosperous, but there is an enormous empire nearby. And the king of that empire just eradicated a major city that defied him. Yeah, and it wasn't like, long that he was at the gates of your city. Yeah, so maybe we should just uh, cooperate. But then we have the other version of the destruction of Sennacherib, which actually happens then during Manasseh's reign. Or was that before Hezekiah died? It's hard, but it you was know? in the 680s. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Check out the Destruction of Sennacherib video because I talk about that other version there as well. Oh, oh I must have the missed episode. that one. Yeah, but I, I, I definitely encourage the listeners to, uh, to look for that. There is a theory that the Destruction of Sennacherib happened in uh, the 680s instead, but I, I don't uh, subscribe to that theory. But, of course, we don't really know today. It's hard to pinpoint the exact years of these things. That's the thing. But, you know, we do get the, base, the, the, general, the general yeah. idea of it for sure. Anything else about Judah during uh, uh, Manasseh's rule? Yeah, not for this podcast, I would say, because really he just, you know, he does start there, but he's only 12, and all his things really go on in the next, in the next uh, decades. But he, he, yeah. go, he, he, he's king for a long time, I think about 50 years. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I see you have uh, some parts about Rome in this script. Yeah. I have said earlier that I will try to avoid Rome. Okay. Until we have Rome coming into our history, when we actually know anything about Rome, because this stuff is so legendary. Right. Numa Papilius and things. It's like we, we know this wasn't true. And, uh, but Rome will enter our history as an Etruscan city ruled by an Etruscan king. And that's how we will meet Rome. And uh, we still have some time to go before we do it. Okay. We know that there was people living on some of the seven hills already in uh, the 10th century BC. But what they did there, we don't know very little about. We know that there is some early building work uh, in place here in the 680s BC, but it's it's incredibly hard to date it. And I think we'll just leave Rome until until we get to the first Etruscan king, who is has this characteristic that the earlier legendary kings doesn't have. He is actually a real person. Okay. So uh, let's let's avoid uh, the seven hills for now, but soon they will enter our story. I would just on a side. I would I, when you said the 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 tenth century, and I think I always think of the collapse of the Bronze Age, and then just how all these people just ended up all over, you know. Yes. And we sort of don't hear what happened for a couple hundred years, and then they start appear now. Yeah, very so. true. The the Bronze Age collapse is now really over and we have a new world apart from the Bronze Age world of the 13th century BC. Yeah. I, I, I feel like somebody must have made their way from that though, that area over to, to where Rome is, you know, at some point they, they still, they somehow came from there. Yeah, we, the, it was long suspected that the Etruscans were one of the sea peoples and that they moved to Italy uh, during the Bronze Age collapse. But uh, very recent DNA evidence has proven that they actually were in Italy much earlier than that. Aha. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to discern the, the truth behind the legends. So let's move to yeah. China. Oh, my gosh. This is so cool, this story. I, I, I was like, you know, Chinese history is such a different... You know, it's different than Western history, right? And it's got different sources. It's all different. And we're, you know, I was grown up in the West and went to history. So our history was always about the West. So at first I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. But this story is like... Before you tell the story, I have to make an official apology. It was my intention in the first episode of Fano History to find information about India and about China and other places. But we know that these places were civilizations, but especially for India, but also for China, it's, it's incredibly hard to find information. So I'm so happy you found something here. Yeah, I mean, I found this little like line, you know, on Wikipedia about this, and then look researching this story, which was still there wasn't a ton, but just this. And I imagine, well, because there's not a ton in English. I imagine if you're, you know, grew up in China, you probably, you know, the story better. Actually, I yeah. did find the movie in Chinese, but I obviously couldn't watch it, and it's probably, you know, it's based on this story. And the, I guess I, the other. I know. Oh, 
I also want to tell you listeners, because I know we have some people who know Chinese history. I don't know if we have any who know Indian, but I think we at least did <laughs> earlier. So if you have, if you know of good sources for China and India or any other place you feel we mentioned too little, that actually has a civilization, so we don't need sources for Sweden because primitive stuff is happening there. But if you do, and some of you have already done this, but I would ask you to do it again, send them to Bernie. Yes. Tell Bernie be where to look. That would be great. Yes. Okay, now you can tell the story. Sorry. Okay, so I'm going to do my best here, right? I know the story. The names are a little bit hard, and um, I'm going to do my best here. But definitely hang on your hats and try to pay attention because this is like a crazy ride here. So I think this was – you mentioned this in the last podcast, but I'm just going to bring it back up because it does give the background of the story. Okay. Right? So um, – um, I'm going to kind of read what I wrote here, so sorry if it's sort of red, but th- I'm going to get the basic of the story for you, all right? So um, the predecessor of Duke Huan is Duke Sang, and he was not an exemplary individual. So like in the last podcast, he had an incestuous relationship with his sister. Um, his sister was like a dream date for him. So... Um, Later on, this sister was given in marriage to the duke of the smaller neighboring state of Lu. So in 693, she accompanied her husband on a state visit to Qi. And um, she, the duke Zhang, Zhang, he welcomed her in the manner in which they had formerly been accustomed, meaning he had sex with her. So when the duke, his, or the husband, learned of this, and confronted him. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. His wife, while they were still in Chi, she told her brother that their secret was discovered. And when her brother found out about that, he decided to hold a magnificent state banquet for the husband and the whole delegation. So he made sure his brother-in-law was toasted until he was thoroughly drunk and defenseless 
and then had him killed while he was on his way back to his camp. Um, so when the members of the party from Lu objected to this form of diplomacy, uh, Duke Zhang expressed his remorse by executing his own hired assassin, a man named Peng Sheng. So Surprise for Peng Sheng. Yeah, right. So he, he so this guy, you know, really isn't the greatest guy. He has sex with his sister, then he finds he's found out about it, and so then he has his sister's husband killed, and then when that's found out, he has the man who had him killed killed. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So so here's what happens later. Several years later, the assassin Pen Shang took his revenge in the form of a large boar. Apparently, he was reincarnated as a large boar because while Duke Zhang was leading a hunting party, um, the boar uh, attacked him. And somehow the followers of the duke realized that this was Pen Shang and they warned him. I don't, I'm not sure how they knew that. But so furious, the duke shot an arrow at the boar. But the boar only reared upon his hind legs like a man and shouted at him. So this terrified the duke toppled his chariot, and he injured his foot and lost a sandal. So when he returned to his palace, he ordered that the sandal master, Fu, be whipped. I mean, to me, that's excessive. I mean, I'm not sure how your sandals, well, your sandal's supposed to hang on to your foot while you're attacked by a massive boar. But So Fu was not happy about being whipped for his sandal coming off, so he started to plot against the duke. Um, so, but Fu returned to his office as the sandal master, but as an agent for the plotters. So then there was, um, a plot against the Duke and true to his character, the Duke hid behind an open door, but he was tripped up by his feet. The insurgents spotted him under the door and then they, that's where the Duke met his end. They killed him. So the lesson there is don't mess with the sandal master. The um, pretender to the throne then proclaimed himself to be Duke, but then he was assassinated shortly thereafter. Okay, so the plan of Peng Sheng, reincarnated as a boar, was to cause this sandal accident to make Fu plot against... What, what happened to the boar? We don't know what happened to the boar. The boar must oh. have got away because the boar attacked the... the um, the chariot, he he tipped the chariot, but he got away. Okay. So the so maybe this is exactly maybe this is exactly what happened, except that uh, the boar wasn't actually Peng Sheng. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, what's the odds that it actually was? <laughs> Very low. <laughs> <laughs> but either okay. way, now their throne was open. All right. So there was two men that were. Um, you know, could be the the next duke because we don't really have a king here. We have you know the dukes of the of the places. Yeah, so, we have a lot of dukes, and we have a king, but uh, nobody. The right. king is only formal in the Eastern Zhou Dynasty. Yes, and that's why it's, some of it's hard to find too, because the you know because you have these stories from these other places that aren't you know where they're not the actual king. So then these you know if they're interesting, like a reincarnated um, boar, we we get these great stories. Yes. So there's these two half-brothers who, you know, are in line to become the next duke. And each of them has a, 
an advisor, you know, a minister. And these ministers were actually friends from childhood, and now they're each different um, advisors to these different half-brothers. Yep. Okay? So, and the names are, you know, kind of hard to pronounce, but the, the two names, okay. So, so after the death of Duke Zhang, the guy who was sleeping with his sister, these two brothers are in um, line for the throne. And these are uh, Duke Shang's uh, younger half-brothers. Correct. So here's what happened. So I'm just going to read this now, all right? Oh, sorry. After the death of Duke Zhang and the usurper, the leaders of several powerful clans in Qi met to arrange the succession for their like, to their liking. Xiaobo had excellent connections among these men, and they sent an invitation to him to return from Zhu and take his throne. Messengers friendly to the prince Zhu sped to Lu to warn him, and the governing lords in Lu, anxious to have their own candidate placed on the throne of Qi, sent a contingent to attack Xiaobo as he proceeded north towards the Qi capital. And this force was led by Guan Zhang. So the forces of Lu fell upon Jabo's entourage and rooted them. Then Guan Zhang, now Guan Zhang, he's the advisor of the other brother, shot Jabo in the belly. And seeing his master's rival fall dead, he whipped his chariot back towards Lu to report his victory. But Jabo was not dead. The arrow struck him um, in the, his belt buckle. And he feigned death by biting his tongue and coughing out blood. So he gets hit with the arrow. He says, oh, I'll pretend I'm dead. Bites his tongue, spits out blood, and, you know, turns over. All right? So he reassembles his scattered remnants of his party, and he proceeds to rush north to the capital. While the other prince, he figured his rival was dead, he just dawdled along at a stately pace, um, accompanied by the forces of Lu, who figured they would coerce the uh, leaders of Qi into installing Zhu as the duke because the other guy they think is dead. But Xiaobo um, arrived at the capital first and was instantly enthroned by his supporters in the capital. And then they dispatched an army to fall upon Prince Zhu's forces. So the prince and his two henchmen retreated back to Lu. So... I'm probably killing the guy's name, too. I'm sorry. But now that Jabo was securely installed as Duke Juan of Qi. So now he's and, of course, he changes his name, right. so we get even more confused. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I mean, but at least Juan is easier to say. Easier to say. So yeah. he sends an ultimatum to Lu saying, uh, I want Prince Zhu to be killed, and I want um, Guan Zhang and Shao Hu to be flayed, diced, and pickled. Wow. Pickled. I mean, these guys, are they're not kidding around. Sanakura would probably be like, oh, these guys are really serious. <laughs> so, <laughs> pickled. So, Lu, want to, in order to please them, um, they killed Prince Zhu. Xiao Hu, the other advisor, he did what he was required, and um, he committed suicide. But Guan Zhang... He um, asked if he could please be imprisoned rather than be pickled. So for some reason, they uh, went along with his wish. I mean, I can't blame him for not wanting to be pickled. Um, and they, they imprisoned him. Okay. Okay, so, good choice from Guan Chong. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so we got all that so far. So now um, Guan Zhang is still alive, not pickled. He's in jail. He was the advisor of the other brother. Who's dead? Who's dead, right. So now Du Quan, who was the other brother, now called Du Quan, right, he yep. sent a force to get against Lu to capture and kill his enemy, Guan Zhang, because he tried to kill him. And he had to bite his tongue off and pretend he was not dead. So his advisor, whose name is Bao Shuya, was actually a friend of Guan Zhang growing up. And he said to the Du Quan, if your wish is to merely rule Qi, then my aid will be sufficient. If, however, you wish to rule as a hegemon or the king of all Chi- the area, which would become China, then you must have Guan Zhang. In other words, he's, he, he says his friend would be a better advisor than he would. So um, the duke decided to adv- follow his advice. So instead of invading Lu, his forces reached the border between Lu and Qi and sent a demand that Guan Zhang be delivered up to them for execution. He didn't really want to execute him. He just wanted to say that. And they say some of the people within Lu thinking, oh, he's probably, don't let Guan Zhang go because that guy's too smart. We don't want him to be in the you know, court with Du Quan. He, um, they told him not to do it, but he didn't believe it. He said, it's fine, send him out. I don't want any trouble with him. So they let him have him. <laughs> so they sent him in shackles to the border. I mean, they didn't pickle him. That would have been interesting, right? Oh, sorry, we pickled him instead. We um, couldn't help ourselves. We just had to pickle him. <laughs> there is a certain pickling quota here. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, um, no, sorry. We decided to turn into pickles. Here's a year's supply of Guanzong pickles. They go great in deviled eggs. Actually, they say a peanut butter and pickle sandwiches are wonderful. But I'm anyway. With so, the Chinese advisors in them. Yes, right. Imagine, I don't know. So, he... Uh, he they he went and he took him and then as soon as he was there his friend who Bao Shuya took off his shackles and informed him that now the duke decided that instead of executing you he's going to make you the prime minister and the sources oh. say that Guanzong was pleased I bet he was I bet he was it was like whew oh, oh, oh prime claws. minister I thought you were going to pickle me <laughs> <laughs> that, because that was what your order just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Du Quan is ruling Qi, mm-hmm. now advised by his new prime minister, Guan Chong. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, they say that, and, and all historical sources agree that under Du Quan, the state of Qi became enormously strong, domestically and powerful in war. The strength of Qi became so great, Du Quan came to demand such respect among the lords of the various states that he came close to becoming the de facto ruler of China. The lords of almost all the states came to acknowledge him explicitly and in assembly as chief among them. This prestigious role was denoted by a new title, Hegemon. Although the title was unofficial, the office of Hegemon became the pivot around which multi-state politics revolved during the remainder of the spring and autumn period. Wow, how about that? The the title Hegemon in China started here in the 680s podcast. Right? And like I said, when you started, when you saw the little line in Wikipedia, like this guy became the Duke, it was like, well, what's that story going to be? And here it is, pickles, boars. Spitting wow. out blood from your biting your own tongue. 
it sounds a bit like the shogunate in later Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that this would make a movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. I w- hope they include uh, the uh, pickling part. So <laughs> we, we see somebody get pickled. Yeah, like you see, you could see like Cersei from Game of Thrones coming out with the jar of pickles, right? Like, ah. Uh, yes, okay. these are my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go in the jar or will you obey me? Yeah, right. All of on the like on a cabinet, all different labeled, you know, like this guy, that guy. Uh, this is what this guy did. It's on the content label for this jar of pickles. Oh God! Right? Wow. Well, thank you very much. This was the 680s. Yeah, was a lot of went on in the 680s, right? Absolutely, and I bet a lot more will be going on in the 670s. Oh, you betcha it will. We'll leave it with a cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, please go to YouTube, subscribe, like, and share. Give us uh, reviews on iTunes, because now Bernie can read iTunes reviews for... Uh, the US because you can't read iTunes reviews for other countries and if you want to give a review in Sweden please tell me about it as I'm not checking now because we have few Swedish uh, listeners Okay. the YouTube channel is Fan of History, we are also on Facebook where you can talk to both Bernie and myself we uh, have a Twitter account which uh, now doesn't do anything because it was only automated updates from YouTube. So that's not any good anymore. But we do have a Patreon. So if you want this podcast to continue, please support us on Patreon. It's just yeah, search for Final History on Patreon. You'll find us. And a lot of you people have done so. Thank you very much. Yes, please. So, so we, our intention now is to go on with this. Please let us know what you think about this new format of the podcast and Bernie's work. So uh, I, I promise I I'll get better as I go along. I think you did a very strong first effort here, and I am most pleased to welcome you as a co-host for Final History. Thank you. I enjoyed it thoroughly. This is great. We, we, hopefully we can go on at least until the end of the 7th century BC and maybe even further. Yeah, I'll keep doing my best. I, um, um, I, I know I got tied up a little bit a couple of times here today, but um, I'll try to tighten up my game a little bit. Is there any way you want the listeners to contact you except for the Facebook page of which I should make you an administrator? Oh, uh, if you if you make me an administrator, I'll probably get it. I mean, I, they could contact me on Facebook directly. It's my name is Bernie Mayapolsky. Yeah, I don't think I said my name in this episode. I'm Don Horning. Yeah, Bernie M- Mayapolsky, M A O P O L S K I. There's there's I'll, only I'll one other one. I'll write your name in the show notes. Oh, good. There's my father, and he's also Bernie Mayapolsky. So I'm I'm the handsome one. Yeah, please contact Bernie's father. <laughs> tell him <laughs> tell him about. The pickled uh, Chinese guys. Yeah, see what he thinks about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, see you in the 670s BC then. Yes, we will. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a BB with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.